You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio, and it's time now for Do Facts Matter? And we have the the man that's in charge of facts, and that's Professor Robert D'Agostino. Good afternoon, Robert. Thank you for that generous introduction. This is Professor Robert uh, D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter. Um, You know, it's uh, obviously uh, uh, in in contemporary America, facts don't seem to matter very much, and I'm going to be addressing a couple of uh, things on that. Uh, And One of the things that uh, struck me and uh, is – a little bit blurb that was on TV last night about this parent at some religious service bragging about her four-year-old son wanting to be a girl, four years old, wanting to be a girl, and how she, of course, was signaling she would accept that. How does a four-year-old make such a decision, and why does he make such a decision? There's only one answer to that question, other than, of course, child abuse, to to go through with it, is that he's doing it to make his mother happy. His mother is busy virtue signaling. Look at me. Look at me. I'm so virtuous. I can let my child decide to change their sex. And this is... I, I don't understand how anyone how any one rational person could take this seriously as as a possibility that a four-year-old can decide that I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. No, that can't happen. Judgment, this this whole area of uh, sexual dysphoria uh, now turned into uh, some virtuous effort by other people, third parties, uh, to help people change their sex. You can't change your sex. Your sex is set, you know, your chromosomes, XY, you're male, XX, you're female. And those chromosomes determine hormonal balance, brain structure, musculature, you name it, it, uh, it's determined genetically, almost always. Now, of course... You know, there are things that have uh, environment has an effect on, but sometimes the environment's effects are pernicious, and therefore we have sexual dysphoria. And sexual dysphoria, of course, is one of the mental um, illnesses that are uh, defined in the um, uh, the uh, uh, diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders DSM-5 for example and they talk about sexual dysphoria because it used to be called gender identity dysphoria so they really softened it to sexual dysphoria which of course is uh, when your gender identity or alleged gender identity conflicts with your biological sex and so it is still listed there as a, a disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of of Mental Disorders put out by the American Psychiatric Association. So it's still there. And by the way, just, and I'm going to get into the the bulk of what I'm going to talk about today in a minute, but this is, this fits in, and you'll see how shortly. Um, 
people who are engaged in uh, cell, uh, <coughs> uh, sex reassignment surgery are, uh, according to the studies, five times more likely to contemplate suicide and 20 times more likely to succeed at it. The American Heart Association has published information about people on hormonal therapy. They don't even have to go as far as the actual sex change, the change of the genitals, are three to five times more likely to have heart attacks, two times more likely to have a stroke, and all sorts of health problems come with these hormonal treatments. So why would you do it? Why would you even recommend someone do it? Why don't people who have this gender confusion be treated like any other mental illness and be treated to overcome their sexual dysphoria? I'm not talking about overcoming same-sex attraction. That's a whole different issue. It's a completely different issue, which, in my view, probably has some... uh, genetic basis. All all traits have a genetic basis, more or less controlled by a genetic uh, 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 by the genes um, but not necessarily completely. Uh, Let's take a look at Korea. North Koreans are four inches shorter than South Koreans. What's that got to do with? They have the same genetic makeup basically. has to do about nutrition And, and in countries that suffer from famine the, and, and the children grow up in, in without sufficient fats in their diets and proteins in their diets, they tend to grow up with an IQ of 10 to 15 points below their contemporaries in countries that did not suffer the famine. So you see that there's an interaction between nature and nurture. And getting back to what the topic is, sexual dysphoria, that's, that's primarily a, a probably a, a, it's a question of depression, question of abuse. There's all sorts of things in the background that that confuse people as to their agenda. Uh, unlikely to have a genetic base, a particular genetic base, unlike same-sex attraction, which which may very well have a genetic base. I'm not arguing for a, a gay gene. There's no evidence of a gay gene, but there is evidence that you know, there's a propensity uh, for same-sex attraction, uh, which may or may not be exhibited uh, during lifetime, uh, depending on the the, uh, environment. But let's get back to this, um, because we now have, I think, a threat to the country, and that threat to the country is uh, essentially the progressive movement. And the progressive movement is a religious movement. It's the only way to explain it, just as Marxism is a religious movement in the end. And let, me, let me read you a, uh, a description of Marxist philosophy before we uh, go into... And by the way, of course, the, the vehicle for this religion is the Democrat, Democratic Party, uh, which is now, of course, if you're going to have one religion replacing another, uh, you need to be hostile towards the other religion. And the Democratic Party is definitely hostile towards Christianity. Uh, and I think there's no... If anyone... Look, <laughs> if anyone doesn't believe that, then you've you got to be willfully blind or you have to be ignorant of, of the things that uh, the Democratic Party has stood for. Uh, 
don't forget the Democratic Party is uh, President-elect Biden has announced that he's going to uh, recognize uh, this uh, gender identity. And when asked point blank if he was in favor of allowing boys who say they're girls to compete against girls in high school sports, the answer, and grade school and high school sports, his answer was yes. So all you parents out there with girls who have a uh, want to compete in sports and, 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 and get to the top top rungs of female sports, uh-uh. You'll be knocked down a peg or two because there'll be some boys out there first. Yes, boys claiming they're girls. Boys claiming they can go into the girls' locker rooms. Yes, that's the Democratic Party. They're for that. They have announced they're for that. The Obama administration promulgated regulations to not only allow that, but to mandate that, and that's going to happen again. So congratulations in electing Biden. Uh, assuming you elected him. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you elected him. Uh, vote for Of course there's vote fraud. The Democrats always commit vote fraud. We all know that. I mean, go back to Woody Jenkins in Louisiana having the Senate race stolen from him. And he proved it. He went to the Senate. He had people with affidavits. They had voted eight times. He had all sorts of evidence of uh, stealing a very close Senate election. And the Republicans, who control the Senate, refused to seat Woody Jenkins. And they sat the Democrat because, well, we couldn't deny a, a seat to a woman senator. So they were more important that they that they weren't seen as anti-woman by seating Woody Jenkins, who actually won the race, than doing justice. And then, of course, there's the governorship of, of Washington State some years ago. Russo, I think his name was a Republican, and they, they stole that from him. And then, of course, there's the Senate race in Minnesota, Al Franken. And they stole that one from Norm Coleman. And that's, you can look this up. You can look what they did. The, the counties where the Democrats controlled the vote count kept recounting the vote until they got enough votes to make Franken the senator rather than Norm Coleman. And then, of course, there was a 1960 presidential election where the uh, Daily Machine stole Illinois from Nixon. Uh, the oh, dead, <coughs> a large number of dead folks uh, had voted, or as one person put it, uh, you know, and again, put it again recently, my uncle voted straight Republican until the day he died. Then he switched to the Democratic Party. The um, upending the result in Illinois, by the way, would not have given Nixon the election over Kennedy. There was some evidence, however, that Lyndon Johnson had arranged for the steal of Texas. And uh, that was discussed uh, reportedly at a meeting chaired by Thomas Dewey, uh, who was the Republican nominee for president in 1944 and 1948, and of course was a DA in New York. And uh, Nixon and Dewey and a lot of other Republican leaders felt that they could not prove th- that Texas was stolen from Nixon, at least in a reasonable amount of time, and therefore they did not challenge the the uh, the. Uh, vote out of Illinois, because that wouldn't have changed things anyway. That's something they could have left, they could have proven had been stolen. But anyway, the, as I said, so I don't know what happened this last election. Um, not only anybody does, except that there was plenty of fraud. And the next question is, 
Was there enough fraud, enough illegal voting, enough double voting, uh, all these ways uh, that uh, the Democrats have uh, to steal elections uh, to turn the election? And the answer to that is maybe. No one knows. Maybe. Get the proof out there. But the third question is, so the first question, is there fraud? Yes. The second question, uh, is it, was it enough to, to, uh, to turn the election from uh, Trump to Biden? Answer, maybe. Third question, can it be proven? I don't think so. I think the, the proof, the proof in front of a court, what you know and what you can prove are two different things. The rules of evidence are pretty clear about that. And so judges, even the most honest judges, have to look at the what's presented before them and, and, and make a decision. And, uh, and they can say, well, you know, you may be right, counselor, but can you prove it? You know, it's like a case I once had many, many years ago where uh, it was a Chapter 11 case, bankruptcy case, and the um, – an individual had filed Chapter 11. He had, he had his Chapter 11 attorney. And uh, individuals, it's, it's a little strange situation. An individual can be both a bankrupt, so-called debtor under bankruptcy code, and he also has individual uh, interests apart from his interests as a debtor in, under bankruptcy. Uh, the case was in, in a real difficult situation, and I was asked to represent the debtor as an individual, not as a bankrupt. So he had, a, he had an attorney representing him in the bankruptcy, and he had me as an attorney representing him as an individual who had to deal with the bankruptcy code. Well, the, uh, the, the, the uh, banks were convinced that this client had stolen substantial amount of money from the estate. Uh, we're up against a break. I'll go into that and get back to Marxism and progressivism shortly. Hey, guys, it's Minister Frankie with Shine His Light Ministries. It's getting cold outside and winter is coming. It's time to shine a little light on our friends on the street. We are collecting blankets and coats for the homeless all winter long. Please donate by going to our website at shinehislightministry.com or text 770-655-8055. Hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving and a very Merry Christmas. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter, and I was discussing uh, kind of a, a <clears throat> the difference between knowing something and proving something, and this had to do with a, with a case I had many years ago where the banks were convinced that uh, the, my client had, uh, had essentially embezzled money from his bankruptcy estate. In other words, he was a debtor in bankruptcy, and, and, and he took some money out of the estate that should have been available to creditors, particularly the banks. And they were convinced that he had did it, And but the question is, could they prove it? 
And I didn't know if he did it or not. I don't know to this day. I know how I feel about it. I know what my hunch is about it. My hunch is that he did do what the banks said he did. But I had no evidence of it. I had no idea. Uh, and I wasn't going to ask him. There's one thing a lawyer's learn is don't ask a client a question you don't want answered. Um, so I didn't know uh, whether he uh, t- took this money. No, in terms of evidence that he did it. In terms of my gut feeling, yes. So go back to the Trump situation. My gut feeling, yeah, the Democrats stole the presidential election. Can it be proven in court? I don't think so. And uh, so that's where we are on that. Um, but let me get, let's get back uh, to, 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 to progressivism. Look, progressivism is a religion that's essentially adopted Marxist principles. And Marxism is certainly a religion because it deals with the same issues religion deals with, and I'm going to read you a, a, a paragraph about that in a minute. And Black Lives Matter, the leaders of Black Lives Matter have made publicly, and you can look this up on the Internet, that they are trained Marxists. So, so the question is, are they Marxists first, or are they concerned with black lives? And it's pretty clear they're Marxists first. They don't have any particular concern about black lives, except insofar as it advances the, the Marxist revolution. Presumably, if they get a Marxist revolution, that will make black lives in general better, so they're willing to sacrifice you know, current black lives. And it's obviously they're willing to sacrifice current black lives, defund the police, what ha- what's happened to the murder race in those cities where uh, Black Lives Matter has become active? And uh, what's the percentage of young black males who are murdered by other young black males? Over 90%. This idea that the police, white police, are out killing black ma- young black males is nonsense. There's no statistic that shows that. We get, what, what, is, what is the problem? Well, look, and this is true. Very often the police are more likely to stop a young black male than a young white male under the same circumstances or similar circumstances. And very often it's, it's humiliating for, you know, young black lawyers, accountants, people going to work. It is could be humiliating. And to an extent, uh, taking stop and frisk uh, too far, the way Bloomberg did in New York, uh, is is. It's unnecessary, but you pay a price. What stop and frisk did was reduce the number of weapons being carried by drug dealers and pimps and other criminally oriented individuals, and therefore the murder rate was reduced dramatically, up to 2,000 fewer murders a year. Thousands of lives were saved, and what lives were they? Black Young black males, mostly. When that's been reversed, the murder rate has gone sky high. In New York, Baltimore, Fer- you know the Ferguson effect, St. Louis, where the police are backing off, where there's no stop and frisk, where, where there's none of this uh, going on, the murder rate, people are carrying guns, criminals are carrying guns. You know, when the Brady Pack got in touch with me, he said, oh, you know... Um, uh, I got these emails, you know, stop guns violence. And what they mean to is let's take all the guns away from law-abiding citizens. And there's an, uh, there's an argument for 
tightening some of the the controls. Although, if you look at uh, some of the things that happened, it's because the people in charge did not enforce what rules on the books. But leave that as a side right now. So I, I emailed them back and I said, well, I want to know what your plan is to take weapons away from criminals, guns away from criminals. Please respond. Of course, they didn't respond because their only thing is to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. I mean, chaos and the encouragement of chaos fits right in with Marxist revolutionary strategy. And that's what this is all about. Chaos, increasing chaos, so that uh, we have a better chance of, of a Marxist revolution. Let me take a I'm go back to this. And progressives, of course, are totally uh, Marxist in, in their viewpoint now. The Democratic Party, of course, is the vehicle for this new religion of progressivism, which means that the Christianity has been labeled and it's labeled as Southern Poverty Law Center. Christian groups are labeled as hate groups. The, the Obama administration wants to destroy the privileged position of Christian groups in terms of uh, following their faith, in terms of hiring, in terms of views, uh, not supporting abortion, for example, and not not supporting uh, the hiring of uh, atheists and anti-Christians in Christian schools. All that has to go uh, because it's, it just exhibits hate, uh, which is nonsense. I mean, it's not, you know, one of the things that the left has been able to do, and this fits right in with this religious, progressive religion, is change definitions. Tolerance used to mean that you didn't approve of what someone was or what someone was doing, but you understand they have a right to, to do it, and, you, and you're just going to let, let it happen. You're not going to interfere. And, and the homosexual community, for example, they got tolerance. They got it. How about inclusion? Well, they got that too. But then they wanted approval. That may have been a bridge too far, but that's what the progressive movement is insisting on, is approval. And now the approval has, has gone from approving the, the uh, homosexual activity to approving criminal activity by minorities. How else do you explain the Democrat Party's uh, encouragement or looking the other way to the looting and the rioting? And then coming out and saying it's all Trump's fault, in any way, you know, they, they're justified. There's a, you read some of the, the pundits, the left-wing pundits, this is justified. So now looting and rioting have become a legitimate form of protest, at least in some leftist quarters. What a doctrine that is. And, of course, now the progressives, as well as essentially the homosexual community, which is allied with them, they want control. And control, progressive control, they want to control the culture, control society, and now they want to deal with all the issues in society. And let me talk, and including the, what normally was considered religious issues, and let me get back and, and read this. Marx, Marx's revolutionary program, and it was, uh, as the author of this statement said, 
essentially they were a, a, a dealing with estrology, which means the the doctrine of final things, the destiny of humanity. So instead of a Christian's dealing with it, Marx was going to deal with it. And and so he uh, su- superseded Christianity. It continues, this is talking about Marxism, it continues and develops sociological doctrines, sociological arguments, and sociological arguments deal with the doctrines of salvation. So Marx is dealing with the doctrines of salvation, a religious doctrine dealt with by Christians and dealt with by Jews, dealt with by Muslims, and and Marx, Marxism deals with it. Marx continues, Marxism, Marx continues, and that's uh, Marx's revolutionary program is what they're talking about, continues and develops the serial arguments started by proto-socialists in the Enlightenment. This argument is based on denying the Christian concept of the fall, original sin, and promoting revolutionary politics to the rank of soul-saving practice. So revolutionary politics, the rank of soul-saving practice, insofar as its historical mission is to eradicate alienation on the basis of the following theorem. If man cannot be saved by God, he then, will, then he will save himself by abolishing everything that limits, limits and degrades him by means of the Promethean overturning of the existence that means the total destruction, Prometheus, Prometheus, the god Prometheus, the Greek god, Promethean overturning of the existing. That's why the left is always into destruction, because the left is about utopia. We just, Marx just said it. The left is about salvation. It's about the end things, the destiny of man. And you never reach it. Therefore, you always have to destroy the society and the culture you're in because you've got to get close to utopia. And you never get there, so you never stop destroying. Look at Mao Zedong, communist China for years. The utopia Mao was going to set up in China, the communist regime in China. And what does he do? He unleashes the Cultural Revolution in the 60s after he's been in power for 20 years, or close to actually in power from 1950s, 15 years or so. He's in power, and he sets about destroying again. Cultural Revolution. And, of course, they use these suckers, the the, the um, for doing the dirty work of, of course, the young, because they always want to be part of something bigger than they are in. This utopian schemes always uh, attract the young, so he unleashes uh, teenagers and twenty-somethings, unleashes uh, them to beat up and sometimes kill their professors and other uh, people who are considered privileged in the community by Mao. But anyway, um, If man cannot be saved by God, then he will save himself by abolishing everything that limits and degrades him by means of the Promethean overturning of the existing. Destruction, that means. In this way, 
Neo-Gnosticism transforms the classical problem of theology and theosity, contingency, evil, meaning of life and death, and so forth, into political problems. That's known as totalitarian impulse. Scratch a progressive and you get a totalitarian. Or problems that can be eliminated by revolutionary politics. This will effectively be once divine final harmony prevails. In other words, what they're saying is uh, Engels, Marx's partner, said, the question has always been, who is God? And God is man. I'll be right back. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. And I want to remind everybody that uh, please go to our website and check it frequently as we are doing making a lot of changes here at America's Web Radio. Uh, we've got a show on with uh, attorney Stanley Turner, who is a an attorney that practices wills and trusts, writing wills and writing trusts. And uh, you can uh, send him a question, uh, Stanley, at America's Web Radio, if you've got a question about whether you need a will or not. Whatever question you might have, just go ahead and write it, and uh, he'll get it forwarded right to him. We'll never even see it. And uh, we're also starting a new show that we want everyone, to, all veterans, to listen to and prepare participate in and that's called j roy's prayer line and uh, if you have a neighbor or friend a veteran uh, know somebody uh, that's served and has a problem and needs a prayer his brothers and sisters from the military will be more than happy to pray for him or pray for her whatever the situation might be so just keep checking on our home page americaswebradio.com and if you can see your way to do it we'd appreciate you joining and, and becoming a patron of america's web radio so with that being said let's get back to do facts matter with professor robert d'agostino this is Professor Robert D'Agostino. We're talking a little bit about Marxism and how progressivism is a current version of Marxism and it's a religion, as Marxism was a religion because it dealt with the same things religion deals with, salvation, end times, destiny of man, that all had to do with Marxist philosophy. And, of course, uh, since God is man and since uh, utopia can never be reached, it always leads to the same thing, destruction. In fact, Marx, uh, you know, advocated that, uh, destruction of, of uh, the society. And he had no problem with uh, slaughter of ordinary folks. Look, Lenin, you know, Marx's Leninism is a you know, big thing. Uh, <laughs> Lenin, I'm ruling, or we have a vanguard of intellectuals. You know, remember what George Orwell said about intellectuals. I've said it a couple of times. I'll say it again. There are certain things that are so absurd, certain ideas so absurd that only an intellectual would believe them. And uh, Lenin uh, thought the intellectuals should should run the world, the experts, so the progressives. 
experts, experts. We've got to have experts. Ordinary folks can't do it, experts. And when the ordinary folks in Soviet Union, early Soviet Union, disagreed with Lenin, when the people he was ruling in their name of the proletariat had their own ideas, Lenin dealt with them by shooting them. And that's what the left, of course, I, I don't think that progressives would shoot we conservatives, but I think they would send us to the gulag, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, about uh, an interesting article about that. Um, so, so, so if God is man, and there's no God, but, but man is God, and, and here's the, how Marx has said it. Man, he has fallen into the world of moral corruption because private property and competition have generated a world dominated by the most sordid passions, the world of Philistines, of the middle-class bourgeois, completely absorbed in tendering to their own petty egoism and obtusely satisfied with their lot. The contrast between the man of philosophy and the man of reality could not be more brutal. However, since the present degradation is a product of an institution that can be suppressed, private property, man can recover himself and his true nature. So you have to suppress private property. This will be possible once he is conscious of the unnatural character of the capitalist way of life and has organized a revolutionary army to straighten out what has been turned upside down. This awareness will come from dialectical science, dialectical science. And of course, this also means private property has to go, competition has to go, and the petty bourgeois have to go. Because what stands in the way of utopia, according to Marx, is the petty bourgeois. Now, who's exactly the petty bourgeois? Small businessmen, small entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who start new business who supply their neighbors or the kulaks in the Soviet Union who rescued communism from the overthrow by the peasants who were starving after Lenin collectivized the farms. He then knew economic policy. Part of that was to let farmers who knew how to grow crops grow it and sell it to others to prevent starvation and to employ others. Stalin, who was a true believer, recollectivized the farms. And what did he do with the kulaks? He shot them, 40,000. They were shot. So any successful farmer, any farmer who was actually selling goods and producing surpluses for others was shot. And obviously... <clears throat> Then the United States uh, bailed them out with uh, Lend-Lease and with huge shipments of agricultural goods and what have you, instead of letting uh, Stalin's regime die on the, the vine. Uh, too much starvation. Well, what, what does Stalin care about starvation? He starved 7 million Ukrainians to death in order to Russify uh, <clears throat> the, the Ukraine. That's why Eastern Ukraine and Western Ukraine don't necessarily get along. Eastern Ukraine is dominated by a lot of Russians or people who have descended from, from the Russians that Stalin shipped off to the Ukraine to Russify it. Anyway, it's good to know a little history. There's a difference between uh, educated and credentialed. Barack Obama is highly 
credentialed. I question whether he was educated, but he certainly was credentialed. Um, I don't think that uh, Joe Biden is either credentialed or educated, despite what he says. Of course, he said he has advanced degree. That's a lie. doesn't. He said it was the top of his class at law school. That's a lie. He was the bottom of his class. So I go through all the different lies of Biden. It would take, uh, take an hour. Um, but that has not stopped him from becoming president. So we now have a president, uh, president on the way to dementia. Oh, well, I guess that's what America wants. In any case, just reading that, you, you, you can understand how Marxism is a religion and how Marxism has now overtaken the progressive movement to be a religion. And if you don't think so, let me, uh, there's an article, and I've got it with me here. And the article is called, You Will Be Reeducated. And it was by Christine Rosen and appeared in the October 2020 issue of Commentary Magazine. And it's on the internet now. If you look up Commentary, Mag- Commentary uh, Magazine and the October 2020 issue, and the article is called, You Will Be Reeducated. Now, if you, if you doubt that progressivism is a religion and, that, uh, and it's a Marxist religion, uh, look, we know it's a religion, and I'm going to go through some of the stuff that, that they believe. It, obviously, it has a sacrament. The main sacrament, of course, is like most primitive religions, and to a large extent, Marxism and progressivism is very primitive, is uh, uh, infanticide. And, uh, you know, and obviously the progressive movement uh, believes in infanticide. They call it abortion, of course, uh, late-term abortion. And if you're Barack Obama or the governor of um, Virginia, Northam, or the uh, or your New York State legislature, uh, that abortion can occur after the birth of, of a baby who is intended to be aborted. So you have infanticide, a sacrament. Magic. Oh, I believe magic. Various magics. I mean, uh, boy can say they're a girl. Girl can say they're a boy. That's magic. You know, that's, that's pure magic. And they have all sorts of precepts that have nothing to do with uh, factual situations. Now you say, well, you know, what about Christianity? Well, okay. There's one element of Christianity that uh, may not be factual or may be factual. You can't prove it. The resurrection. Christianity doesn't make any claims about lots of other things as factual that, that, that are not factual. And this mythology that Christianity and, and science were opposed to each other is nonsense. Uh, Christianity opened the whole world to science. Natural philosophy, they called it. Who, who, which countries formed these great universities? Christian countries of Western Europe. In Italy, in France, the University of Paris, Bologna, University in Bologna, and others. And who are the faculty members? Priests. Yes. And what were they studying? Nature. So we have this myth about uh, the poor, poor Galileo persecuted by the church. Well, not exactly. Uh, The church actually protected him. And Galileo was actually attacked by his fellow professors because he was a terrible human being. They didn't like him. And Galileo, when, he, when some of his theories were corrected later on, 
by more advanced uh, observations by other scientists, Ptolemy and other scientists, um, he attacked them viciously and tried to prevent them from publishing. So I think the, the real story of Galileo is more complex than it is. And the, the Pope simply told Galileo, look, don't publish your stuff till you have real evidence. And Galileo said, oh, I won't, and then he did anyway. Um, but, but the church has not opposed the advance of science. In fact, it encouraged the advance of science by supporting universities and having faculty members who are priests. Look it up, Middle Ages. The so-called Dark Ages weren't so dark. And, and the uh, <clears throat> Middle Ages saw the, the rise of the universities all over Europe. Uh, and, of course, now we have this um, training materials in the government that uh, cri- uh, critical race theory, white privilege, and, and those things uh, teach either one, that the United States is an inherently evil or racist country, or two, that any race or ethnicity is inherently racist or evil. And, of course, we, we have this all this diversity. We had diversity training at uh, Atlanta's John Marshall Law School. Now, let me tell you two things. Atlanta's John Marshall Law School has promulgated the University of Georgia's protection for free speech. So we do. The faculty has uh, passed that a few years ago. And so we, we uh, Atlanta's John Marshall Law School, even though it's not a government uh, organization, respects free speech, at least so far. <laughs> we'll see. You never know the way things are going in this country today. Uh, and diversity training, we have a we have a student body that is something like forty percent minority, maybe more nowadays. Um, talking about diversity, and we have a fair number of uh, mostly blacks, with uh, with a number of uh, Hispanics, uh, a number of uh, a few Asians. So. It, and we have a we have a uh, African American black dean, uh, one of our associate deans, student uh, associate deans is is a black female. So and then the uh, associate dean for academics is a white male. Oh, I guess my goodness, we violated political correctness there. Although he's very politically correct himself. Okay, we're up against a break, and I'll get back to you will be re-educated, and you can see how this becomes a religious doc, uh, religious doctrines of the progressive movement. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website 
located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, it's much worse now. This is Robert D'Agostino, Professor Robert D'Agostino, who's back with Black Lives Matter. And I'm discussing that uh, wonderful article by Christine Rosen, You Will Be Reeducated. And you need to understand what I'm saying and what she's saying in light of what I've said about progressivism. Look, if progressivism is a religion and you don't follow it, and, and since progressivism has adopted Marxism in, in, in very much of the essential ways, and Marxism is obviously deals with issues that religion historically deals with, salvation, destiny of man, death, what have you. Um, the So if we're there... Well, when we read through this thing, you have to understand this in context of that. And remember that if progressivism, as I believe, is now, as I believe, is, is, is certainly obviously has become a religion, those of us who don't go along with their views, including their views of magic, boys can be girls, girls can be boys, are heretics. And you know what happens to heretics? They get burned at the stake. Well, of course, uh, they're not going to burn us at the stake but there are at least two uh, two recent um, pundits or working for major news organizations, one of whom she recommended uh, by saying, you know, look, she said, uh, the, the Allies had to bomb the cities in Germany to, to convince the German people that they should lose their attraction to Nazism uh, uh, because of brought death and destruction. So then in the next sentence, she says, therefore, we really should think about bombing those areas that voted for Trump so that would be finished their enthrallment to Trump. So actively, actually advocated bombing fellow Americans. Well, of course, she's a globalist, so she's not really an American citizen of the globe. Another had a tweet about how Trump supporters uh, should be shot. That was justified to kill them. Uh, so this is the kind of stuff going on, on the left. Well, if progressivism is the true religion, as it adopts Marxism, it's the true religion, then those of us who are not with the true religion, well, we get burned at the stake in the modern version. Cancel culture, right? Is that the modern version right now? Can't people get fired? People get fired for the most innocuous statements. 
let's go on a little bit about what this article. The U.S. Treasury Department, under Trump, had a training seminar. Quote, difficult conversations about race in troubling times. Well, that sounds like innocuous enough uh, statement. However, the attendees learned that, quote, virtually all white people contribute to racism. And those who were white were told they needed to acknowledge their, quote, unconscious bias, white privilege and white fragility, unquote. At Sandia National Laboratories, one of the nation's premier nuclear research facilities, the federal government paid a company called White Men as full diversity partners to train white male employees as Sandia in the damaging effects of white male culture. The damaging effects of white male culture. It's an interesting way of putting it, right? European culture, maybe? The culture that gave us medications, technological advances, public health, the culture that's going to come up with a vaccine for COVID-19. What are they talking about? What is white male culture? What are they talking about? You need to ask them. That's a question they never can answer. When I ask a, a student for social justice, I say, mm, well, what do you mean about social justice? Well, equality. I said, oh, well, equality in what? Doing what? How do you measure it? And how do you? And then, of course, how do you get it? Well, the same percentage in every uh, in every profession uh, as a population. Blacks are thirteen percent of the population. They should have at least thirteen percent of the the job. I said, well, how about football? Should should whites have thirteen percent of the football? Sixty five percent of the f- football players, or seventy percent? So are we going to do it across the board? Well, well, not that. Well, why don't we do it for athletes? Well, because we got to pick the best players. So we don't have to pick the best scientists, the best doctors. That doesn't count there. So, I mean, they get all flummoxed when you start to question them. you got to be very nice about it. You question them about what do they mean by social justice. And they always come up in the end with redistribution of wealth. <laughs> That's the end game. We take money away from one group of people and give it to another group of people. So that's always the end game. Um, now we have a Department of Homeland Security. In the Department of Homeland Security, diversity training gave employees handouts to teach them to identify microaggressions and micro inequities. Now, The examples were given. Listen to this. Among the examples of prohibited microaggressions were statements. No free speech, folks. No free speech. Statements endorsing a colorblind standard of equality. No, no. Martin Luther King, the civil rights movements of the 60s and 70s were all about establishing a colorblind society, which they largely did, by the way. If you look at the the uh, income of all but those kept in poverty by the Democratic establishment, so they remain wedded to the Democrats, you know, like war and poverty, total failure uh, in terms of doing anything positive to the minority communities or the even 
poor white communities, but a huge success in making uh, uh, certain minorities, particularly black minorities and, and lesser extent Hispanic communities, totally wedded to the Democratic Party, totally wedded to their suppliers of their goodies, suppliers of money, support, the protectors, those who infantilize the, the entire society. And I can quote uh, Malcolm X on that. What did Malcolm X say? The biggest enemy of the Negro race in America is the white liberal. That's what he said. Look it up. So, microaggressions include a colorblind standard of equality, including America is a melting plot. I thought our, 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 our motto was e pluribus unum, out of many one. No, no, no. Ah, not if you listen to old Biden there when he gave a little talk. He said, well, America, e pluribus unum, out of one many. That's what he said. Look it up. I mean, Biden, the things Biden said, if it was said by a Republican, would have made them a laughing stock. And, of course, those who knew Biden, his fellow senators, he was a laughing stock. And he's president. He's going to be our president. From laughing stock, cheater, plagiarist, liar, corrupt, share, actually a corrupt politician, all those things, sexual aggressor. I mean, there's at least two credible accusations against Biden of sexual assault, along with a whole number of people who say that he was inappropriately physical touching with females. So you, if a Republican had been that... Look, they pilloried Kavanaugh for something he didn't do 40 years ago, which there was no evidence. And even if he had done it, he was a teenager then, and rolling around the bed. But he, but nobody would support it, including the witnesses that Miss Ford said could support her story. They didn't support it, including someone she called her best friend. They didn't support it. But that made no difference. They wanted to get Kavanaugh. So, a microaggression includes America as a melting pot. And also, there. Uh, this is uh, another one, <clears throat> talking about no assimilation. Quote, there is one race, the human race. These are all examples of microaggressions. The training, this was done by the Homeland Security. The training also asked participants to take a quiz to find the microaggressions in everyday statements and encourage them to conform to confront any fellow employee who has committed a microaggression against them, regardless of intent. So the only thing to judge whether it's a microaggression is how the other person, the person who didn't commit the alleged microaggression feels about it. So if I tell my friend, you know, I really think all black, black, all black lives matter, that's a microaggression. That shows I'm a racist. Oh, no, that's, that's an insult to Black Lives Matter who are out there defending blacks against white privilege. Microaggression. So... It becomes a microaggression because of the of the effect on some other party, regardless of intent. So re-education has become 
become very important. And there's, uh, you know, books written about how to re-educate white folks, particularly white males, particularly heterosexual white males. Education is merely a means to an end, a tool for ideological transformation, and specifically the enthronement of anti-racism. As Kendi, uh, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist, uh, this is uh, author Ibram uh, Kendi, K-E-N-D-I, uh, this is from his book. As he says in his founder's statement at the Senate, he founded a, uh, uh, he made lots of money by creating a nonprofit and pays himself lots of money. Helped us build the world anew. Well, building the world anew is what? Building the world anew is all about utopia. Christian utopianism was initially heaven only. Perfection only occurs in heaven. And the originally Christian utopianism was trying to create heaven on earth. Didn't work. Then it became secular utopianism, the French Revolution. I've been told by my producer that the show is over. I Please read that article. Get it from the Internet. You will be re-educated. Commentary magazine. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.